Navigating the Datascape with Porter Chavez and special guests. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Datascape podcast. Today, I'm going to have with me Frankie Foss. He's an Oracle expert, Oracle ace, straight from Brazil. How are you today, Frankie? Hi, Warner. Very well. Can I complain? That's good. That's good. And Frankie, for the audience that, uh, you know, they're not familiar with you, do you mind giving us a little bit of intro about your background, how you started in the database space and uh, your experience in general? Yeah, sure. So I actually started, I would say, pretty recently. Uh, back in 2010, I started working for uh, T-Systems. You said pretty yeah. recently. Yeah, it is pretty recent because, you know, everyone in my field are like, I don't know, 25 years in the business. So oh, yeah, I feel right. okay, 12 so young. Years on. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, 12 years is pretty much good experience. And I got very far, I would say. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty, you know, proud of myself in regards to that. So, yeah, I started uh, working for uh, T-Systems at the beginning uh, on a Volkswagen project. So we were supporting, you know, 23 factories around the world. And I started uh, with uh, databases just uh, from the beginning. So in the beginning, I was uh, doing Oracle, SQL Server, and DB2. Uh, so it was three database mm. flavors just from the beginning. And later on, I, you know, started focusing more on Oracle. Because of the technology and because of, you know, salary jobs and things like that, yeah. I was seeing that around my area, it used it to pay more. So nowadays, okay. I would say it's pretty balanced, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I would say, how I started. Then moved on to, you know, a uh, smaller shop with large contracts. So I had to, you know, improve my skills and... And you know, have more responsibility on what on the things that I was working on because it was me and another, I think, four folks at the time. So there was a lot of work and a lot of important stuff going on, a lot of technologies and large clients involved. So it was very good for my, you know, uh, experience and improving my skills in in Oracle technology. So. Yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. much it. And then I moved to Sao Paulo, stayed a year there, working for a financial company, very large, with very, I would say, expensive Oracle technology, which mm. helped me to improve even further. And then I joined Python, which was four and a half years ago. So Okay, cool. Here I am. All right. Coming up on your five year at Python. That's cool. Yeah, All right. pretty much. So the topic for today, I wanted to get together with you. Uh, we haven't done an Oracle-focused episode in a while in the Datascape podcast. And I do know, I mean, obviously, technology keeps moving. There's some really cool stuff that Oracle is doing in the extra data space, in the OCI space. Before we dive into those, I wanted you to try to give us the Oracle database uh, lay of the land today. There's so many different ways to run it. Uh, sometimes people even have a hard time differentiating, like, you know, what's the difference between running just Oracle on, let's say, like a Linux machine or running it on Exadata? Can, can you walk us through all these different platforms and ways to run the Oracle database? Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure if that will, you know, 
complicates even more or if it will clarify but let's <laughs> well, see the results we'll again. see we'll see yeah <laughs> so yeah pretty much nowadays we have a few flavors of oracle software so we have the oracle database enterprise edition that's used i would say for by large companies large departments mm. and you know companies like that we have the standard edition two so they get rid of the old standard edition one and standard edition that they used to have until Oracle 11G. I think they got rid of standard and standard one in 12.101. And then, I mean, on 12.101 that was still existing, but once clients that were upgrading to 12.102, then there was only standard edition two license available. Then they have the express edition, which is their free, Oracle database, I would say, edition. Okay. So Express yep. is the free one. We obviously you have limitations. I think it's uh, two, mm. gigab- two gigabytes of memory and one CPU core to run your, you know, your database. And I think it's twelve gigabytes in size, if I'm not mistaken. And then we have the more recent one that was, uh, you know, uh, made available. I think in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, which is the always free tier and the, I mean, that's, uh, that's uh, a free tier in, um, in the Oracle cloud. So you have a okay. always free uh, account. Okay. And then as part of that offering, uh, Oracle offers, um, and, uh, you can have two Oracle autonomous database with uh, up to 20 gigabytes in storage each. And I think it's one OCPU uh using that always free tier and yeah i think i think that's that's it you can run oracle on you know linux solaris windows aix hp ux or i don't know probably there are others that uh, yeah very broad operating uh, system support yeah oracle's always been like that right yeah yes since the beginning also many hypervisors and you know many oracle cloud cloud vendors as well even though on the cloud vendor space, I would say that you can run Oracle in any any you know any cloud vendor, but Oracle does not support uh, your database running in mm-hmm. in in GCP. So for GCP, they don't support you know you running their software okay. there. I see. It doesn't so mean GCP that you're not allowed. So it, it will run, but they just won't give you official yes. support then. Uh, yeah, they won't give you official support. It, it was the same, you know, the same fight that they used to have with VMware a couple of years ago. But okay. I think uh, two years ago, they, you know, they they coupled together with VMware to have more clients, you know, migrating to OCI and things like that. So there was, a, you know, an arrangement and then they started supporting that out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty interesting all these deals that they have. But you, you can run Oracle on OCI, which is the Oracle Cloud infrastructure. So it's Oracle Cloud. And uh, AWS, you can run on EC2 and RDS. You have support on both. Obviously, for RDS, uh, you will rely on, on Amazon support. And Azure, you can run also on top of uh, Azure VM. VMs, yeah. And on, yeah, on, on GCP, you can run Oracle. And actually, Google's that uh, you have uh, you know have support on bare metal but uh, i wouldn't trust that much on that <laughs> you know okay. you, you have to be really you know careful with that because it's uh, i would say gray area 
So the difficulty would be like if you really need support, what would Oracle yeah. say yeah. if you were on that? So I understand the That's limitation it. there. All right. Um, yes. What about that? well? Let's talk about this right about the the engineered systems, right? Because this is where Exadata comes in, right? That's right. So yeah, you, we have we have possibilities of running Oracle in I would say um, in a clustered environment and a non-clustered environment, which we call single instance database. And we have the engineered systems option, which actually are it, it which actually is not only Exadata. They have like right. Oracle database appliance, which is a smaller mm, I remember uh, that, system. The ODA. Yeah. Uh, yeah, ODA. And and other other you know other type of of machines also included in that category like um, uh, ZFS. So ZFS is like a NAS appliance, okay. so storage. Uh, and other systems like uh, they have the uh, ZDLRA, which is Zero Data Loss Recovery Appliance. It's pretty much a backup and recovery appliance. So focus it on, on Oracle database. So engineered systems like a category inside the Oracle products offering and mm -hmm. Exadata is, uh, fits into that category. Is Exadata like the Cadillac, like the best, or like the top of the line? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the best platform to run database because it's very well optimized to run the Oracle mm -hmm. database software on top of that machine because it's not only the machine. The machine itself is just, you know, uh, you know, a fancy hardware with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. a lot of marketing, you know, marketing details there. And it's not the best hardware in the world. You have better hardware from other vendors. But the thing that makes the difference is the, you know, the Exadata software that runs on top of that hardware. And okay. that makes a real difference for running. But the, Exadata. the Exadata software is intrinsically tied to that hardware right so i can't that's correct like data bits and run it on like uh cisco ucs blade right you i mean um technically there are some tweaks that you can do that you that well, well, might, i would probably be unsupported if i did that yeah it's not going to be supported that's correct yeah so, so the idea is that it, actually you are not you're not allowed to do that oracle doesn't uh, allow but uh, oracle can't tell me what to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah the licensing so, the use terms of service or yeah, whatever they probably say yeah, that you can't do yeah that. you're no. probably going to be sued for that <laughs> yeah it does it doesn't make sense so the but the use case then is you know the the exadata software it is optimized for that exadata hardware and the yes. two of them together is what you say um creates the secret sauce right yeah that's right and you know in the beginning of exadata uh the project started uh, between Oracle and HP, so okay. it, uh, that was back in 2008. So when the first mm. uh, Exadata V1 was released, there it was an uh, Oracle software, and the hardware was from HP. So it was HP hardware plus Oracle software. Oh, okay. And the you know the initial you know I would say initial project and initial idea was maybe it was to run this Exadata software across you know many different vendors and different things vendors. like that but yeah. yeah but later later on i think in 2009 they started discussing you know uh purchasing sun you know acquiring sun so mm -hmm. then i think things uh shift a little bit or i would say a lot because 
then uh, Exadata V2 was released with the uh, Sun hardware, and then then after that it came only with Sun Sun hardware and, and Oracle software. So, so what is say? what are some of these? Uh, 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 you know, like you just mentioned, the the mix of the two of them together is what makes the secret sauce. So, what are some of these things that you know you think are smart or they're actually innovative and you know that make a big difference in in extra data versus just me running oracle database software in a linux vm i would say the most the most important thing is that oracle tests everything on their uh, uh their software they test pretty much everything on their hardware so they have you know good hardware they test you know they have different uh, network cards a different network protocol to run uh, on top of that machine, if you are going to build that by yourself, you would you you would use you know a different maybe a different driver for a different network card that uh, wouldn't work well with their software. So that's I would say that's the secret sauce because things are you know very well bonded together. Mm -hmm. Even though we yeah. have some bugs sometimes, and now you imagine if you try to do it by yourself, how many bugs you would face. So that's I think that's the the most important thing. And the software that runs on top of Exadata, they have a lot of uh, smart, I would say, smart operations. So a smart scan is one of the, okay. you know, uh, it was, the, I mean, it's still the secret sauce of Exadata. So a smart scan allows a database query to be, you know, pushed down to the storage server. So the database uh, builds the query and the execution plan and then sends the extents that it needs to scan through the to the storage server, and then the storage mm. server identifies where there, those extents are in the storage layer and process, let's say, in 14 storage servers all at the same time and returning to the database only the extents that match to the query. So let's say you have, you know, you are, you are selecting one specific column, but, uh, you know, the data in an Oracle database are not organized in a column for, now columnar format by default it's a row mm -hmm. format as like any any you know uh, you know database like sql server so if yeah. you don't if you don't specify in a column store the data will be row format so and you are selecting only one column so you don't want the rest of the columns for those rows that you are selecting or you want all those all the rows of a table but just one column so the exadata software will filter out only the column the data of the column that you are requesting so instead of returning everything to the database server it will return just the data of the column you are requesting all the rows but only that column and there is also uh so the, 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 this optimization is and this yes. is the advantage of being the integrator of both the hardware and the software right yeah because then they can make it they they can push it they can push the predicates all the way down to literally the storage hardware to do it. That's so right. You don't have to so, burn CPU at the top level to be able to. Yeah, filter, that's right. That's right. So we have we have the database servers and then we have the storage servers. So the database instance and processes memory allocation for the database instance is running on the database servers, but the database is actually stored in the storage servers. So mm -hmm. in, a, I would say, in a Exadata full rack, which is one of the, you know, most common configurations that I used to work with, uh, mm -hmm. 
we have eight database servers. So we have eight nodes to process your and to run the Oracle right. database in a clustered environment. So you, your database runs throughout eight clusters, uh, eight nodes, and then you have 14 storage servers to store your, mm. your database. Oh. So, so all the data is- configuration? That's correct. That's okay. the full rack. And then uh, all the data is spread across these 14 storages. So you imagine every, you know, if, you're, if we are talking about the exadata storage server high capacity, that means that we have hard disks, uh, it's 12 hard disks per storage plus two flash disks, which creates a, you know, a flash layer, flash cache layer on okay. top of each storage. So we have the power of uh, you know, the IOPS of 12 disks per, per node. So per, extra, per, per exadata storage server. So that's a lot of so, IOPS, so, uh... that's a lot of capacity. A question, a question for for myself. I'm obviously not an Oracle expert, and probably people that might be listening to this just out of curiosity might be wondering the same thing. Is Exadata optimized more for a particular workload? Like, is it for you know? Because you mentioned you know multiple Oracle nodes in a full rack configuration. Is it more for like a warehousing workload? Or can, is it is it too much for an OLTP workload? The people does Oracle actually sell it and people use it for OLTP workloads, or is it is it does it not make any difference? Like, what is your your take or what is the recommendation? No, yeah. So in in the beginning, when Oracle was first releasing their initial versions of or generations of Exadata, it was only made for data warehousing. So they were competing okay. with Netiza and Vertica and I think Teradata, uh, yeah. Teradata, yeah. So all in the same field. And that was only only for the focus was only for for data warehouse. But nowadays I think I think uh, since the X3 or X2 when they I mean the V2 which came with Sun hardware it, they already introduced at that time, I think it was 2009 or 2010, uh, they introduced the flashcards, the Sunfire flashcards to their hardware. But okay. at that time, we were only capable of using the flash cache, which is this layer between the hard disks and the RAM on the database server that will, you know, we have the hot data inside, inside the memory RAM mm -hmm. in, in the database nodes. And then we have the flash cache, which is, which keeps your warm data, and then on the storage servers. And then we have the cold data that's stored in the in the hard disks. So, in the beginning, the flash cache was capable of only improving read operations. So you okay. could only read from the flash cache. But when the database writer process needed to, you know, uh, flush the database cache. Uh, area in the in the store in the database server when it was writing down to the storage it would it wasn't capable of writing to the flash cache so it was writing to the hard disk and that that was that was a slow operation for an OLTP environment you know okay. so I think back on the X3 generation they released the software altogether with that machine then the the write back flash cache uh, feature was introduced when they could now enable the right the database write operation to happen on the flash cache. Okay. So that I think that that was that was when 
um, uh, Exadata was fully ready for an OLTP, you know, okay. high transaction application. So how does it work when you have multiple nodes? Is it like a rack configuration, basically, using yeah, the Exadata it, hardware? That's right. It's uh, Oracle database running real applications, uh, real application cluster software, and then you spread your database across, you know, up to eight nodes, depending on your Exadata rack size as well. So, yeah, it's pretty much a rack as you have in the non-Exadata, the same way, okay. but. Uh, by in using the Exadata DV software yeah. with the hardware as well. Okay, That's cool. Right. And what is uh, what are some of the latest updates to or some of the latest features that you think are pretty cool in the you know in the recent releases of Exadata? Has when was the last time that something new came out for it? So the last time they released something was actually last year and I think they released in September the okay. Exadata X, X9M. Okay. So Exadata X9M actually was I would say it was just a hardware refresh, but they actually changed many interesting things in the hardware like like the PC PCI um, Express uh, connectors. So that was changed from uh, PCI, PCIe 3.0 to 4.0. So they were able okay. to double the you know the throughput, bandwidth. the bandwidth. Yeah, more yeah. bandwidth on on those ports. So that in increased a lot on the IOPS capability. Uh, that was, I would say, the most important change. The other, the other things on the hardware refresh from the X8M that was released in April, I think April or no September of 2019, to to the one X9M released in September of 2021. There were, you know, CPU increase, so the number of cores increased from 96, I think, threads to 128. I think that was the number and uh, me more memory available uh, storage is larger uh, in x x8m it used to be uh, the hard disk used to be i think 14 terabytes in size and next 9 m they are 18 terabytes in size each you know each hard disk inside these 14 storage servers so it's a lot of, yeah, a lot of know, storage. storage area <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. and uh, more recently, you know, in X8M, when they released X8M, that was the, you know, the hugest improvement in the last couple of years that we've seen in Exadata space, which was the persistent memory. So persistent memory okay. is basically, it's basically a RAM, you know, it's basically a, a RAM card that mm. is very close attached to your CPU sockets. But instead of being, uh, you know, volatile, yeah, it's, volatile. it's actually, mm. yeah, it's actually persistent. So you store data there and you shut down your, your storage and the data will be there when you power it on again. So that's the main difference because that's another layer of, of uh, storage. So of a cache, let's say. Mm. So now you have your database buffer cache on your database server. Then you have your persistent memory cache on the storage server. Then you have your flash cache, which are uh, made of flashcards. And then you have your hard disks, which is your, you know, coldest data. Mm -hmm. So yeah, once you There's need even you more need layers of caching now, so you have like yes. hot, 
hot, warm, <laughs> warm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the new temperature. Right. The hot, yeah. Warm. That's the that's the thing. And when an Exadata, you know, when an Oracle database is running on on these X9M or X8M, uh, uh, Exadata has to perform a physical read. Uh, when it when it queries, you know, the the data on the storages, uh, if the data, you know, is is uh, stored in this persistent memory cache, this data will be read in less than 19 uh, microseconds. Mm. Uh, so it, it's really fast. It's really fast. Mm. So they introduce it that keep, if if it was only the persistent memory, it wouldn't be that fast. Because you know the persistent memory card is really fast to read from. It's like one microsecond yeah. to read from it, but that's not on the database server. That's on the storage server. So you have a network, you know, a network between between the database server and the storage. Mm -hmm. So to, to you know to to uh, reduce the latency between the de the database server and the storage server, they had to change the network layer between those two uh, nodes so they came with they came up with the rocky rocky network which is which stands for rd rdma over convergent ethernet so that's a okay. you know a model that already exists in in data centers and our rdma actually stands for re um, remote direct memory access so it means that okay. When the database wants to query something that is in the storage layer, it will it will query the data the or it will scan the data directly from this persistent memory cache, which is a memory. It's a memory mm -hmm. card like like RAM. So you have to use this RDMA protocol to scan the data there. So it's remote direct memory access because the, the database software is able to scan the data directly into this persistent memory card. Yeah, even so though that it's going through the, the internet, through the through the Ethernet, right? Through the network, yeah, basically. that's right. And you don't have any context switch on your operating system and Linux kernel because the the access is direct. So there is no you know network management needed to be mm -hmm. done by the operating system because the Oracle software does that all integrated. So. That's the most cool. important thing. Okay, cool. All right. Um, well, that's a really good uh, rundown of Exadata. The other thing that I wanted to cover for sure today, since I have you here right now, is the story in OCI. Now, a few years ago, people were talking about the Oracle Cloud. And I mean, you know, not a lot of people were taking it seriously. I yeah. even some Oracle people that I used to talk to, That's they true. were like kind of dismissing it. Now I've seen a shift over the last, probably the last two years. In the last two years, I've seen more people taking it seriously and more interest from clients to place their Oracle database workloads in OCI. So I wanted to get a, an idea of what do we have now in OCI? What is suddenly making it more attractive? And, and what does the story look there for running your Oracle database workload? Yeah, a little, a little bit of, of background on that. So, you know, first generation of Oracle Cloud, they, they didn't call themselves as OCI at that time. It was Oracle Cloud. Mm -hmm. Then when OCI came, came in, then they renamed the 
generation one was called Oracle Cloud Classic. Okay. And then the OCI, the OCI was, the, you know, generation two. So I would say that the, the, uh, the first thing that they did was to build an office in Seattle where Amazon mm -hmm. is. So they started, you know, hiring people from Amazon to start yeah, yeah, yeah. The, new, the new Oracle Cloud. That was, I would say, the you know the most important thing that they did. So they started to write it down from scratch, and rebuild it from scratch. So it was it it is really good because it was rebuilt from scratch. So there is no you know, um, I would say reference to the old old, old Oracle Cloud. Okay. Now everything is you know is new, rebuilt from scratch, and I would say built the correct way probably. So things are more stable, things are better, they have better features. And in terms of the database offerings there, we have the, I would say, uh, most, uh, um, the most important one for their marketing campaigns mm -hmm. is the autonomous database. So the autonomous yeah. database runs on top of the Exadata hardware on their Oracle data centers. So okay. autonomous database, they have, they have nowadays they have basically three offerings uh, okay. inside the Oracle uh, autonomous database category, which is the autonomous data warehouse for data warehouse workloads where more, uh, you can store your data in, in a columnar format. Um, you have the ATP, which is autonomous transaction processing for OLTP okay. workload. And then you have more recent one, I think it was released I think it was in 2019 or 2020. I don't remember anymore. 2020. I think it was 2020, which is the AJD. They call it's the autonomous JSON database that, you know, where you oh, can store your JSON document database. Yes, okay. document database. And it, it's actually, you know, in the end, it's the same Oracle database software, but use it in a different configuration. But it's the same. You can Because Oracle all of that. already had support. For JSON, yes, right? that's right. So it's the same Oracle database software, but with it's a different optimization. A different yeah, that's right. Okay. So you can do all of that on premises as well, but there are some features that they don't allow you to use on in an on premises environment. So you're only allowed to use that in a Exadata box or in a cloud environment. So okay. That's, uh, those are the autonomous database offerings. And then you have the Apex service that you can run on top of any of those, you know, any of those uh, ADW, ATP, or AJD. AJD. Um, and then we have, I would say, the most common ones, which are not the fancy ones, let's say, let's, like uh, autonomous database, which is the bare metal and virtual machine database systems. You pretty much have, you know, you pretty much have, uh, have uh, a VM in an Oracle cloud environment with, with some automation for the Oracle database. That's why they call okay. it systems. But it's, okay. it's pretty much a VM. Okay. And then and then we have the Exadata cloud service, which is uh, also uh, called uh, XSCS. So the XSCS okay. is also a VM that you have access in a, in an Exadata machine in the Oracle Cloud. So you have access okay. only to the VM that's created there, where you can create your database using their automation, you know, their cloud console and things like that. And then at the same, you know, I would say at the same 
level of service, pretty much, you have the Accelerator Cloud at Customer. So the difference between cloud cloud service and cloud at customer is that cloud services, the cloud service, the Accelerator is in the Oracle Cloud Data Center, mm-hmm. and the cloud at customer is at the customer data center. So that's the that's the main difference. You also you are also able to you know to control and to automate and launch your instances in the cloud at customer using the OCI portal. So you go to yeah, the OCI that Accelerator Cloud at customer. So it's like a hybrid cloud is solution. Red. Yes, that's right. So, so it, uh, what is the difference? What is the difference between, or or why would somebody pick one or the other between, let's say, Exadata cloud service, or if I have a warehouse in workload, for example, why when would I pick that versus just picking the autonomous data warehouse? Well, the autonomous data warehouse it it imposes some limitations because Oracle is doing everything for you. Like they are backing up your database. They are, you know, tuning your database. They're patching your database. They're upgrading your database, everything. Well, you know, and the marketing terms, everything is automatically, but so you have limitations. It's like RDS. You don't have access to the Mm -hmm. OS. You have so many limitations. You have to use their own developer packages to perform some, you know, DBA operations inside the RDS instance. So there are limitations in regards to management. So it doesn't fit for everyone, right? So you can run your workload there, but you need, you need to, if you need more control, you would move into the Exadata cloud service. That's right. That's correct. That's pretty much what it is. And you know, all these aut- autonomous features sometimes, sometimes they, you know, they they are not. Uh, it's not they are not good, but sometimes they will cause more pain than 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 they will help you. You know, let's okay. say autonomous database is running the auto index uh, evaluation and creation, so it will analyze your workload and see. Well, for this query, it's better to create an index, and then it goes mm-hmm. there and create the index for you. And then your query started. It starts using those indexes, but then there is uh, one query that runs, you know, once a month or something like that. That you know was, you know, it, it, it doesn't run that frequently. It may be affected by the index that was created. So it will uh, the database optimizer will choose a different execution plan because there is a new index, you know, that will also satisfy that query. But in the end, maybe it was not the best one for that specific query that runs once a, once a month. Yeah. It's just one this example, a, but you know, yeah, this is yeah. the, the kind it's of the same thing issue. That... We see it in Azure too. I mean, obviously I'm more familiar with the Microsoft stack, but they, they offer something similar too. when Azure SQL database, which is like the SQL server, the autonomous SQL server. <laughs> and, right. uh, and, uh, and they do the same thing. You can turn on the completely automatic index management. And, and it even you can even say that you're okay for it to drop indexes if, if they're not used as well. Um, but then we get into that same situation, right? Where sometimes the software makes decisions kind of on a vacuum or it picks something very specific that is trying to tune without considering the general workload, which is really hard to do for the software too, right? As human beings, obviously, if you're familiar with the application and everything, then you you kind of like can can balance better between just optimizing for one query or optimizing for 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 everything for the general workload, right? That's um, right. In, in your in your opinion, you know, with, with clients, 
um, clients today that have been using Oracle and they're happy with the Oracle database. They don't want to move to a different platform. Do you feel like OCI and the autonomous database is the way to go? Or do you think, you know, maybe it's better to just virtualize on-prem or do you think OCI, but maybe not go straight to the autonomous? Like, what do you think is the best um, path would, for somebody I again would say that, to stay with work? Doesn't know exactly where to go next. Yeah, I would say if you don't know where to you, you you don't know where to go, maybe the best way to go is to is to go to some automated environment. So maybe autonomous database. Because what what I'm what I'm trying to say, if you don't know where where you want to where you need to go or where you want to go, maybe you're not experienced enough to manage okay. you know your Oracle database. So it's better to have some automated system than have you know no one looking at your environment or backing up your database properly or something like that. So I would say that these database offerings in the Oracle Cloud, they are good for you know um, uh, companies that doesn't have you know uh, 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 you know a very strong team that will be capable of managing you know your environment or let's say the autonomous database is is a good fit for a company that doesn't have a DBA or or wants to you know release or re, uh, relieve the stress of the DBA you know so they want to take the stress out of the DBA a little bit so you can they can run part of their workload on the autonomous database yeah, so the DBA doesn't the have that or, much work yeah that's yeah. it so the, i would say for most like uh, of the options a db system is pretty much it's pretty much like an on premises environment but you have some automation and you know some some scripts and things like that that will make your life easier and sometimes they make your life harder as well so it depends on on each environment but um, if if i was to decide which one to go i would probably would go least, with you're at least okay so yeah so it, it may it might not be the right choice in the end but at least uh, in general start by looking at one of the autonomous options right yeah that 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 is a good fit but it doesn't it, it, i mean it, it's not for everyone so it's it's very hard to, to decide the most i would say uh simple solution as lift and shift will be db systems or the exadata cloud service or cloud customer so that that would be the most uh, you know lift and shift approach okay. because you have oh, access yeah. to uh, the operating system uh, database will pretty much run the same way so there are you know some automations but it's not that different than what you do on premises all right all right let's uh let's talk now you know uh about what's coming what's next what is missing where do you think uh oracle and, and oci in the database uh, area where where do you think are areas that they're going to move into and some of the things we might expect coming in the platform so uh, i would say for the oci infrastructure they are you know releasing new features i don't know every month so there are new yeah. things that they're releasing pretty much every month and I I cannot you know keep up with that it's too yeah, much for yeah. me so I, I don't have time to you know to oh now they launched a new I don't know network service or firewall you know so I well yeah yeah I OCI I in general enough has time a ton to keep of up stuff. with that no same as yeah. like Azure or GCP yeah or they, they do a lot so of stuff, services so. yeah 
So I'm focused more on the data side of the things. Mm -hmm. So on the database, uh, on the database field, I see that. I don't know if they are going to do that, but if they don't, um, they will they will start you know losing even more space to Snowflake, which is they they need to create some some kind of data marketplace like Snowflake has. So this is one everybody's thing that creating they, a data marketplace. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, that's the thing. So they need to do it, otherwise, otherwise it yeah, will be even Google harder Google for to Google go is coming out with something for it. I think it's called uh, uh, the the data I analytics saw something, hub. Yeah. Um, yeah, AWS is literally just calling it the data marketplace. Um, I, I don't think Microsoft has anything public yet, but I, they must be working on something right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, they, yeah, it only they, makes sense they must right, do that. that they they will introduce something like that, just even just out of competitive uh, pressure, right? Yes. If if they all yes. if all your competitors are doing something, then you got to start doing yeah. it too. And they also, I mean, it's not only the marketplace for the data, but also, but also for for, for third-party providers like Snowflake okay. has of the the Snowflake uh, con connect. Uh, how do they call it? connector connection? I don't know how how does Snowflake call their net their network of third-party providers. I don't remember, but uh, you know, they have they have to have something like that. Nowadays, they are creating many tools inside these. Uh, autonomous database platform that they have to help many different roles inside a company. So if you're a business analyst, for sure there will be a tool for you there. If you're a data scientist, there will be a tool there for you to help you, you know, develop mm -hmm. your your machine learn algorithms and things like that. So there is there they are you know releasing it, and I don't know on the past year. I think they released a lot of a lot of stuff there. So they built you okay. know, good. So good tar targeting because... specific data related roles as opposed to just DBAs, right? Yes, that's right. So there are a lot of tools that they already introduced there, and they are really interesting. I was you know checking those uh, the other day, so those are interesting for many okay, different cool. you know. People. Yeah, I know. I know. Even uh, I know. I remember that they, they even did a very interesting <laughs> announcement. I don't even remember. It wasn't that long ago that Oracle and Microsoft even did some sort of agreement to have a really fast interconnect. That's I don't know right. if you remember this, right? A really fast yeah. interconnect between some Azure regions and some OCI regions, so that if you wanted to run your compute in Azure but run your databases in OCI, you would have a, you know, kind of like a dedicated pipe between the two vendors, yes. right? Yeah, that's So I thought true. that was that's strategically true. very interesting, yeah. It was, I would, I would say that more in favor of Oracle than, than, than yeah. Microsoft's, because, you know, everyone has an AD <laughs> yeah, system, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, domain, so, so it's easier just to go with the, Microsoft but that's a that's a good point, right? Why not leverage, um, you know, this this kind of like partnership, where you have a partner that might be able to onboard users faster to the cloud, but, but then just grab one piece of the workload, right? Yeah, it's okay. And, and I mean, there's a lot many, of money to be made just with that piece yeah. of the workload. Yeah, and and many of the clients that. They have like an, an AD domain. They they would have an Oracle database running there on their system. So it yeah, makes sense sure. instead of moving that database to the Azure 
um yeah or a big uh, migration to a totally different yeah. platform yeah just yeah posted in and, OCI. it makes sense yeah yeah that's the that's the thing so, okay yeah that's uh pretty much well that was a pretty good update uh thanks a lot frankie for uh for joining me today so we covered on exadata oci i hope if you are listening you got a good uh, idea of everything that's happening uh in the oracle database space and how it's been progressing over the last um few years as well so thank you everybody thank you frankie for joining me and thank you Warren, next for time. the opportunity yeah absolutely yeah, yeah thanks for listening everybody bye bye navigating the datascape <laughs> <laughs>